Hey guys and gals, welcome back to another Monday evening live stream. Tonight I've got James Beerbrower, um, actually from I think said the UK. I hope I hope I'm right on that one. <laughs> He'll correct me in a second if I'm wrong. Um, we're talking about Kingdom Picture. Um, or the foundation's principle, how to achieve real change and transformation in any area of life. If you've watched any of these Monday evening live streams in the past or listened to the audios when they came out on the podcast, you know that real change and transformation is an absolutely perfect topic for this show. Before we get into that, though, I want to invite you to check out my new podcast called Finding the Next Level. It goes along with my Next Level Men's mentoring, coaching, mastermind program. It's a year long. Check it out. It's five episodes a week, Monday through Friday. They're two to five minutes long talking about um, all the ways, things that you can do to help you reach the next level of growth and impact personally, professionally, and spiritually. Go check it out. I'd love if you listen. If you like it, leave a rating and a review. If you don't, I guess you can still leave a rating and a review. Just don't be too bad on me, too hard on me, but I can take it. So no worries. Anyway, I'm going to invite James on to the show. James, how's it hey, going? Man. Good, man. How are you? Doing great. Was I right or was I wrong on where you're You from? were half right, actually. Half that's right. Exactly, right. Yeah, yeah. So half German, actually. Half German, half English. That's right. Okay. But where where are you? Where do you live full time? I live in the south of Germany right now. Okay. You did tell me that the other day, and I'm not sure where I pulled UK out of. I apologize about that. But <laughs> uh, Well, like I said, you're half right. My mom's from England, and I gotcha. went to university there, so it's not awesome. an insult. <laughs> okay. So tell me, what, what time of day do you have there now? It is 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh man, 2 a.m. Man, kudos to you for being up and Adam early and doing, being willing to join me at this time of the night for you. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. And it helps having, having little kids. So, you know, being up at this time of night just isn't new to me right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And when they're sleeping at this time, I guess you could maybe get more work done at night. I could theoretically, yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to enjoy this. And then I'm going to go back to bed for a couple of hours. And, and... <laughs> I don't blame you. After I get off of here, I'll be heading to bed too. So it'll be it'll be eight o'clock or so when we finish up my time. But why don't you tell us who James Beerbrower is? Give us a little who, of your background and kind of sure. how you came to be who you are today. Yeah. Well, like I said, um, half German, half English, born and raised in Germany. Uh, Studied in the UK, studied a business degree, um, and then moved halfway across the world, lived in South Africa for six years, and uh, then came back to Germany. Um, so I'm married now. I have two little kids, a boy and a girl. And um, yeah, I mean, just kind of like the you know basic data, basic rundown, um, born into a I would say like a semi-Christian home. Um, Mum was definitely a believer. Dad was a believer, but not so much practicing just because he had a, a rough start in life, really. Um, and the big the big thing really to know about my life, and this will make sense then when we get into the, the interview a little bit later, is that I've just always had this borderline obsession with understanding why things are the way they are and why things work the way they are. Um, and that's tied very closely to wanting to understand purpose from, mm. from God's perspective. And that is something which is so deep in me. Um, and that kind of followed me from an early age. So when I was 16, I wasn't, you know, surrendered to the Lord yet. I wasn't walking with Jesus, but I knew he was real. I knew he was then I knew it was calling me and but I was making my decision on where to go and study and you know I was still praying I was still asking for wisdom I was still asking for his guidance despite having gone the year before like I'm not going to follow you right now um and so long story short that all changed gave my life to Christ and after university big personal crisis um family kind of fell apart and um, I was really, really desperate looking to God for 
for clarity on my purpose on his plan for my life and about nine months later after having you know just a yeah a cataclysmic event I was at the lowest point in my life deeply depressed caught in addictions and but still still reaching out to God for his plan for my life and I just said look I I want to know what it is I want to do this but I can't figure this out by myself I'm tired of trying Uh, my life's a mess you need to do it and so nine months later I found myself in South Africa through a whole bunch of God coincidences and God arrangements. Um, and he started answering that question. And that's really where, um, you know, my my walk really kicked off and some exciting stuff happened. That's awesome. I, I, I love hearing, hearing people's stories, like kind of some of the events that led them to the change and brought them to, to becoming the person that they are today. You, you, said something that I that I want to pull on a little bit. Sure. You said at one point you said God I'm not ready to follow you yet. Was there an event or what what flipped that switch for you to 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 make the decision to follow God? I would say I've had two or three of those moments. So the first one was um I was about 15 preacher in church preached a sermon like a good old classic Baptist. Hey, here's the gospel. Here's sin. Here's repentance. And I knew that I knew the message was for me and my heart just was beating in my chest. But because of the kind of the area um, that we grew up in and the people I was around, it came with a lot of legalism as well. So I was like, okay, this is going to mean no fun, no more joy. I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> all I heard was die to self. Um but then I experienced some of that so-called fun. And and it just, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as other people's stories. And I didn't go completely wild. But, you know, I I lived a little. And just a couple of things happened all over the course of one year, which made me realize both the emptiness of what I had held up as being like this, you know, this awesome lifestyle that I was trying to protect from Jesus. Um, and a couple of bad things happened that could have gone a lot worse, you know? So um, I was, I was caught in an avalanche while snowboarding wow. um, and miraculously nothing happened. Just got dragged down the hill a couple of hundred yards and, and that was it. Um, oh wow. But that was terrifying. It was overwhelming. It was like it suddenly, you know, you're in the middle of this thing and you have no like in a split second, everything's changing and you have no power control. So where the snow's going, you're going. Yeah. Um, but I had another event like that where I was like, okay, yeah, Jesus, I, I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore. And so I didn't have this big, you know, auto call response. It was just in my bedroom, on my knees, May 17th, 2005, you know, remember it quite clearly. I was like, okay, Jesus, we're doing this your way now. Um, That's awesome. so that, that was one of those moments where, you know, I, I got to experience the thing that I was afraid of losing and I realized it really wasn't worth holding on to. Mm-hmm. It's some of those events. I mean, it's, there's no describing it to somebody who's never experienced that the, either the, the near death and being face to face, like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be here in about two seconds or the, complete helplessness like you said you experienced in the avalanche like there's nothing i can do to save myself and that's just a small picture of of what the reality of life is like without god i mean we think we're in control but you know once you reach the end of your life if you haven't lived given given yourself to god lived for him you have no control over that and that's that's a beautiful picture of it. You also mentioned something. You talked about finding purpose from a biblical view, and I know we'll probably get into some of that. Does it does it get in? Does it get too far ahead if I ask you how you define purpose, especially from a biblical view? No, not at all. Um, so that that was actually that second big moment in my life because. I couldn't tell you, 2009, I graduated from business school. I couldn't tell you what purpose really meant or what it looked like. 
I just knew that God had a, had a plan and a purpose for my life. Um, and it was making me seriously angry because I, I felt like there was this thing that I had to live for, but I, I couldn't define it any further than that. Um, and again, it's that helplessness. It's that, that it's bigger than me, you know, realizing now in hindsight, it's like me as the creation trying to play creator. Um, doesn't work. But so anyway, so in terms of a definition, um, no, it doesn't get ahead. I, I think there are um, probably three components to the way I now define um, purpose. Our purpose, first and foremost, is Genesis one twenty six. You know, God made us in his image and likeness. Um, and so I believe that we are called and destined and purposed to be like God in very individual and unique and distinct ways. So that's the first thing I would say. It's be who God created you to be. But that means you need to go on a journey of discovery. Like not just, hey, I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of Christ and, you know, less of me and more of him. All of that stuff is true. But in this sense, it that that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about saying, God, when you look at me, what do you see? And mm-hmm. when I become more like Christ, what does that look like in terms of just my existence, yeah, character? But how does that come out through my gifting, my personality? Um, you know, we, we talk about having a creational mandate. God always intended for man to co-create with him. Um, and so that was way before sin, and that was way before the fall, and that was way before the gospel and the Great Commission, which is the second part then. You know, so if Adam and Eve had ne- never sinned, they would have co-authored, co-created, and just been the way God wanted them to be. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the one package. The second package I I see is that great commission where God, you know, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. Um, and the third thing that I very much believe in, and this is where, you know, it's, Um, theologically speaking, it's extra biblical. You need to have spent some time asking God about your purpose, and then you need him to give you a lens for scripture that allows this third definition, and that is very much that I believe we have a unique and distinct purpose, which is um, tailor-made for us. Um, The Bible talks about he knows the good works um, that he has destined us to walk in, um, Jeremiah 29 talks about the plans and thoughts he has for us for our future. And if you then look at who God is, God is not arbitrary. He's not, you know, he doesn't do just thing things just for the sake of them. There's always rhyme and reason and purpose, and there is divine design. Um, and so under getting to know God as someone who is very intentional and very specific and very detailed. Um, in what he does um, means for me that we all have a purpose indicated by by our individual design, our desires, our dreams, the gifts we've been given, personality, all of that stuff. But so if you look at that kind of as a three parts, you know, three point triangle, it's that creational thing, it's the great commission, and then it's that individual purpose piece. Mm. Does that answer the question? That does. It it really does. breaks it down it's very similar to how i've described it um i've often said you know i don't know if god gives us a specific thing to do in life but i know he gives us passions and interests a unique personality gives us different things that we enjoy doing and i know that we are designed to use those to make a difference for other people. We may live them out differently from time to time. And so I've always been of the opinion that I don't know if there's something specific that I'm supposed to do, but while you were talking, I had to think of like a furniture maker, Mm -hmm. you know, God makes us all unique. A furniture maker makes his pieces unique. Like each and every piece is carved for a specific purpose. And as I was thinking that through while you were talking, then you said, and God has a purpose for us. That kind of hit me. It's like, you know, I've never thought that I have a specific path to walk, 
It's just using what God gives me. But if I apply that furniture maker uh, metaphor to it, I got to, I have to walk, go through the journey of finding that specific path now. <laughs> so wow. you, I had a light bulb moment right there. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and, and here's one thing which is a complete game changer, and that's the relational aspect, right? So I um, I heard people talk about this, and now that I've had kids for a number of years, I can actually relate to this. Um, I heard someone say that God, as a good father, you know, like a good father, would get to know his kids, or but he knows us perfectly anyway, but any good father would get to know their kids as they're growing up and would recognize the very things you just mentioned, like, hey, she's really passionate about this and she's really good at that and she actually doesn't like that and this is what consumes her, you know, with like a righteous passion and all of that kind of stuff. And while every good dad would want their child to find their own way in life, that father would still have an outside perspective and go, hey, I really think that if you went and did this, Mm. that would be an awesome fit for you. So I, I see God having that kind of a conversation with us or waiting to have that kind of a conversation where he goes, you can choose. Like I once heard um, Bill Johnson from Bethel say that the kingdom is not a tightrope walk. It's a very broad, expansive place. God's not going, you have to hit this spot after you've given your life to Jesus or else you're in trouble. It's like, no, you've got freedom. Like it's a broad, open space. You can choose to do stuff, but I'm a good dad. I know you. And like you say, I am the furniture maker. And so I did have a very specific use intended for you when I made you, which is why I made you the way I did. And so, hey, let's sit down and have that conversation. Yeah, that's I love it. I love it. <laughs> so what is, you know, in your notes, you mentioned the foundations principle. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. What What is the foundations principle? So this has been super exciting going back over this because God gave me this topic and this takes me back to kind of my own origin story. So 2009, I asked God for purpose. 2010, God starts speaking to me and it was around about 2011 when this dropped. And so I'll I'll tell you what it is. It's essentially, it's a complete upgrade to your thinking. It's a Romans 12 to mind renewal process um and the way i see it it's it's almost like god's brain comes down like this um like this overlay and overlays your entire brain and encompasses it if you allow it and it will upgrade the way you think on every aspect of life so we're right into change and transformation speak now because romans 12 2 says don't confirm to the patterns of this world but be transformed Mm. by the renewing of your mind right um so it's revelation but essentially to to make it um you know it's it's a change and transformation powerhouse and if you're um you know in the development space if you're in the business development space then the 80 20 rule will most certainly be you know Um, familiar to you and your listeners Um, and it really is like it's the kingdom 80 20 lever and actually I think it sways more in favor of like 595 really you know it's that one thing you do that moves significant mountains and so the way God has explained it to me and shown it to me and built it up to me over the years and the way I've seen it change people's lives in my own life is um Essentially, it's a way to affect massive change and transformation in any area of your life, which is a huge statement if it were coming from me. But seeing as it's coming from God and it's biblical, you know, it's that that's what it is. Yeah. Awesome. So what tell us what Romans 12 two is. You mentioned the um, yeah. that that's where it originates from. Well, actually, that's not where it originated, but that's where God, um, you know, showed me a lot about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to go into that? Yeah, sure. So I uh, let, let me tell you where it originated because it will make a lot more sense and it will become okay. very yeah, tactical. Perfect. 
um, sure. you know, very tangible straight away. So I, um, I was doing nonprofit work at the time in South Africa, which was at the time a passion of labor and uh, sorry, a passion, a labor of love. That's what you call it. Um, but, there you, go. you know, there wasn't a lot of money in it. And I just needed. <laughs> like often there's not in, in those kinds of things. <laughs> so I, I needed an additional income. And um, I ended up doing some consulting work for a friend of mine, had a small business, about 20 guys working for him. And he came to me and we were just having coffee and he went, can you help me just to get more discipline and more structure into my business? My my staff aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they're, they're slacking. They're not motivated. So like a classical, you know, a classic management consulting gig. And I went in, but I came at this from a completely different point of view because I just spent the year before that um, rediscovering business from God's perspective. And I'd spent a year more or less in my prayer closet and then going and doing training on this, but always with the question like, God, what was your purpose for business? And so that carried over into this new um, this new job. And mm. he, I think it was... Within the first couple of days of me being on site, um, he told me about all these problems. He introduced me to the team. He introduced me to his manager. He showed me everything that wasn't working. And for him, it was the others. He was always going like, they're not doing, they're not performing, they're not working. That's where the issues, we need more productivity, effectiveness, time management, all of that kind of stuff. And so I just, you know, the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask the following question and that was very simply god what's really going on here and this was 100 inspiration because god took me to proverbs 29 18 and this is the origin of the foundation's principle where it says where there's no vision people cast off restraint oh. what was that verse again proverbs 29 verse 18 yes but god started me off uh, reading the amplified bible and the amplified gives you a slightly different definition which changes a lot and it says where there's no redemptive revelation of god and his will people cast off restraint and so what he started showing me right off the bat is this casting off restraint that's symptomatic behavior okay where you see employees um not being efficient um not being productive, not getting the, the work done, not behaving in a desirable way, that's an example of casting off restraint. That's where you begin to, you know, in a way, experience death because other translations of that same verse say where there's no vision, people perish, right? Um, but then he showed me that the reason for it was no vision or in the Amplified, a lack of redemptive revelation of God and his will. And so I was like, okay, wow. So we know this, right? There are symptoms, there are causes, there's fruit and there's root. But that's the first major connection that God um, established in my mind. Um, and it got me asking that why question. So why are things not working then? And what redemptive revelation is missing in this company, which is producing these results and this behavior that my friend no longer wanted to see. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. And, and so God showed me this next thing. After he, give, like, he initiated by giving me a question, he gave me a revelation. He gave me questions to go deeper. He gave me the answers to that. So I said, God, like, what redemptive revelation is missing and who's missing this revelation? And it very quickly became apparent that this friend of mine, the owner of the company, didn't understand his purpose and his role and his responsibility as a leader. Hmm. Wow. And then I was like, but, but that wasn't deep enough. God was like, ask me why. So let's go deeper. And then it turned out that he didn't understand his role responsibility um, as a head of a household. So, you know, wow. we don't endlessly go down the rabbit hole, but this is where it starts connecting them because he, as an individual, 
there were just certain things that he'd never been taught. There was certain revelation about who God is and about his purpose for life. Your purpose as a man, your purpose as a leader, your purpose as the head of the household. He was married, three kids. Um, that was lacking. That was missing. And that was a foundational layer of revelation that he didn't have. So there was nothing stable and strong he could build on. So now, without this revelation, he's in a leadership position in a company where people are looking to him to give them practical vision. And what does that look like? They didn't have job descriptions. They didn't have job titles. All they had was an unspoken expectation from their boss, but he'd never gone up to them and never and he'd never said, this is why you're here. This is what you're meant to be doing. This is how I will help you get it done. Oh, and by the way, this is what the company does. This is our vision. This is our mission. And this is how you fit in. So that's very practical stuff, you know, but it, it just wasn't there. Many of them didn't even have a contract. And so, you know, you, you're looking at the problem and you're going, well, that's the problem. But what you're seeing are the symptoms and God's going, no, no, no. That's the root. And that's why it's all happening. Yeah. So he wanted me to come in and basically deal with his crappy employees. And got <laughs> a script on him and went, no, dude, we need it's to. You. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. that's where it started. And that's where Romans 12, 2 then was brought in because it is don't conform to the patterns of this world. And the pattern of this world, sadly, is the blame game. Yeah. I will shirk mm. responsibility. I will lay blame at everybody else's feet. But God goes, no, it starts with you. God goes with, hang on, what's my responsibility in this? So renew your mind, but don't just go, oh, I'm sorry for doing that. Understand how things work. That's what God wants. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to understand the difference between symptom, cause, fruit, and root. And so he showed me, if you change the root, you change the fruit. Hmm. Wow, that's a good way to put that. <laughs> I like that. What's? Can you give me a, an example or a uh, like a first step? Somebody who is in business and maybe maybe they're a lot smaller, have one or two employees. What's the first step towards finding or defining the purpose of the business? Mm -hmm. Well, weaving in a couple of things. Um, we know Genesis 1, 26, 1, 27 around there, made in his image and likeness. Sounds simple enough, really big if you actually start looking at it. What does that mean? Well, if God made us in his image and likeness, I need to understand who God is, right? 1 John 4 says God is love. And then if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, we get a definition of love. So that's just what came to mind. Um, defining the purpose of business, very simple. We were made to be like God. God is love. So our prime, prime objective in life is to be loved by God, to reciprocate in love towards him and to let that love overflow to other people so your first job as a business owner as an entrepreneur from a kingdom perspective from god's perspective is not to make money is not to solve problems the first that most foundational layer of revelation is you're here to love then once you've got that established and squared away, then you can start working on some of the specifics. And then you can say, okay, so what's the purpose of business? Well, God created us within community. We're not completely self-sufficient. We're not islands that don't need each other. We have gifts that are mutually complementary. So even if you don't look at problems and needs, you just go, I have stuff that I'm really good at. You have stuff that you're really good at. So this basic mm. definition of business was you raise sheep. You know, I make tables. I need wool for clothing and I need, you know, milk and meat and you need tables. So let's trade. So that that's that's that complementary aspect very basically. But then if you just go through life and you see, hey, people have needs and desires, people have problems. Um, so that that adds a very specific dimension to what love looks like your purpose in business is to love other people by adding value to their lives 
And you do so by solving problems, by meeting needs, satisfying desires. And this is where it then becomes, the, the, I think the mature form of that is by drawing upon people by drawing upon people's uniqueness and their gifts and their talents. So that is my definition of the purpose of business. The purpose of business is to love and serve other people by adding value. The way you do that is by solving problems, meeting needs, satisfying desires. And in, you know, in an ideal scenario, it's not irrelevant who's doing the problem solving but it's a very intentional choice to say, hey, Ken, you're really good at that. I want you to be exactly who God created you to be and to add your unique blend of strengths and gifts and perspective and personality into this team so that we can do that together. Yeah. Hmm. That's well said, well spoken. What's What's been your personal experience? How have you applied that? in your own life or how, how has that principle affected your work? Your, your now coaching business and in your previous work, what's, what's been your personal experience there? Mm, so that in terms of working with people, this has completely revolutionized um, from the bottom up my, my approach to everything. Um, so it is that doctor's mindset, right? If you have an issue, you go to the doctor. A good doctor won't just look at the symptoms you're presenting with, but they will understand where those symptoms are originating. And they might give you some, some tactics, essentially, to manage the symptoms temporarily. But the right. real approach should be, let's fix the cause. Let's fix the root cause because knowing that it will change everything else. So as soon as God showed me this foundations principle and he showed me within a business setting, my whole approach to consultancy changed for the next five years. My approach to training people up on kingdom business, my approach to coaching now has been very openly speaking to the issue, discerning between and actually telling people what you're experiencing here is a symptom. Because management consultancy is a huge, I don't know how many billion dollar industry, which essentially exists to manage symptoms. Because if you wow. actually fix root <laughs> problems, if you got rid of the problem, you'd be out of a job. Yeah. Now, in the kingdom, that is our purpose. Fix problems, make situations better, leave people in a better state and move on. Right? Yeah. Work yourself out of a job. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly right. Um, so that's how it's fundamentally changed my approach. Um, just thinking of, of two different examples that will help illuminate this a little further. My, my second consulting gig when I was still in South Africa. So I finished my work with this guy. Um, and then I got hired for another year to go and do very similar work for someone else. But now I'd had almost a year doing this work under my belt. Um, mm. And I can speak to the problems a lot more specifically and a lot more directly with a lot more authority. And so when I went into this coaching event, I didn't have to convince the owner of that company that he was the problem, quote unquote. He already came in from our, um, you know, from our sales conversations, knowing I want to take responsibility and so the cool thing was we started examining some of the relational issues he was having in his team. And he was just trying to keep the peace. He was just trying to keep everyone, kind of keep all the balls up in the air, just juggle everything. And as a result of the work we did, he actually sat down, distanced himself, looked at what was really going on and made the necessary changes and adjustments Um kind of structurally to the team. So he had been playing, he'd just been firefighting and suddenly he went, okay, I, I need to, that person's in the wrong position. That person needs to go over there. That person who's been over there needs to go down here. And so he made those changes and adjustments at root level, which were painful and incisive in the moment. Right. But in the long run, that company is thriving. Wow. And it literally <laughs> resolved the relational issues that he had in his team permanently. And so when I That's speak amazing. about 
a kingdom change and transformation powerhouse. He invested 20% of his time. Well, actually, he invested 80% of his time on the 20% that matters for a couple of months. Yes, it was hard work. And it was the work he didn't want to do because it got ugly. He had to confront people. He had to confront his own failure, his own sin, his own negligence and not wanting to take responsibility in certain areas. But he went there. He did that, made the hard cause, walked into some conflict, you know, with open eyes, put up with the screaming and the fussing and the fighting. But after that, there was peace. You know how Matthew 5 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God? That's what he did. And as a result of that, he created a foundation in his company that God has seriously blessed. Um, And so I've I've seen that actually carry over into the coaching work I do now. Um, And this is a really cool, um, you know, additional dimension, but... I got to I got to walk with someone a few years ago who had been struggling in one area of her life as it turned out for 40 years. And wow. she hadn't been able to get breakthrough in this area of her life. Um she wasn't she was just worn out, she was frustrated, she was tired, she was deeply wounded, she was hurt. Um and having had this foundation principle so deeply established in me it allowed me in the moment as I was just asking God like what's going on here what's going on here what does she need in order to break free God used that revelation you know I said it's an upgrade to the way you think and it will completely change and transform the way you think Um, because God again he said hey don't look at things the way they are there are symptoms presenting here but that's not the real issue And so she had been stuck for 40 years fighting symptoms and issues. And then God went, okay, there's a root to this. And by the way, this is what the root is. And so he showed me that in her case, there was, um, she had been looking at her childhood and at her past, and she had seen certain things. Um, But God went, no, no, no. Again, you were just looking at the symptoms. This is the one thing that really happened. And she'd never seen that before. And as soon as God highlighted what had actually happened, she was able to look from the symptoms and from the the bad fruit she was experiencing over to the real cause of this thing. We were able to pray through that thing. And a 40-year-old issue was done and dealt with by God's power (laughs) in a matter of days. It was just gone. Wow. That's incredible. When when you give up, when you let go and let God work how he wants to work rather than trying to control the situation, which I like to be in control of my life. I like to think that I am. <laughs> and it, it's not it's not fun to, to let go because you feel that out of control feeling like, like you felt in the avalanche. But when the avalanche is God, that's a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, um, again, like I said earlier, if you if you leave out the relational side of God, that God is a loving father who really does know you. He really is sovereign. He really is all knowing um, and not in a distant, far removed kind of way, but in a very personal, intimate way. You know, so I lost my dad. Um, over a decade ago, and I didn't have a great relationship for the last 10 years of his life. So I don't know what it's like to have a good dad I can rely on. But if anyone has had a good dad that they can go to and, you know, dads who have wisdom and have life experience and have insight. And it's, it's that kind of thing on, you know, exponential steroids with God to think of God that way and to go, um, oh yeah. Okay. The the humility piece and the control thing is saying, I am limited. I don't know everything and I can't figure everything out in my own strength. But if you have this, this dad in God who does know, you know, and he's trustworthy and he's safe and he's reliable and you can go to him and go, Hey, I'm struggling in this area. And I, I think I might not be seeing things clearly. Can you show me what you see? That's when it gets really exciting. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love that. You you've talked about how the foundation's principle works in business. Yeah. Can it be applied to all areas of life? Absolutely. I, I believe that 100%. I haven't seen, seen it applied in every area of life yet, and I I don't think I ever will. But I can give you some examples, if you want, of how yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, applied. go for it. I'd love to hear it. Um, I suffered through um, some fairly bad depression um, and some fairly intense panic attacks for years. And so it was a real mess. I, I mentioned a while ago, 2009, graduated from business school, no no clue whatsoever as to what to do with my life, but had this strong desire for purpose. Um, and that was that was painful. Not having purpose, knowing God had a purpose for me. My parents had just separated because my dad was an alcoholic and he just wasn't, you know, wasn't looking to change anything. My mum needed to get my little sister out of that toxic home environment. And so I'd grown up in Germany, was studying in the UK, had considered moving back to Germany, but suddenly Germany wasn't an option anymore because it wasn't safe. It wasn't a home anymore. Mm. There was nothing to go back to. Um, I had a major porn addiction at the time, and I was just, you know, depressed, fearful, anxious, had no hope, had a lot of guilt and shame over a couple of things I'd done, including the porn addiction and that I wasn't walking out of it. And so it was just a huge disgusting basket of just mess right and and it actually got worse so i started god started drawing me closer to him but what happened is all of these issues started to get worse um so i had an encounter with god and i experienced his love physically but at the same time these issues got worse and so i would have times when i'd have to leave the office run to my apartment just close the door and i would curl up in the fetal position and just shake with fear and anxiety. Um, and here's here's what God did, applying that foundation's principle again. Um, everything I just described, very relatable, I think, for a lot of people. The hard truth is, it's not your ultimate reality. It's a symptom you're experiencing, right? And so I would cry out to Jesus to come and save me from that. And he often would. But then Jesus, as only Jesus could, he then very clearly tells you what your responsibility is and how you need to walk out of it. And so through my spiritual father at the time, and who was my boss and a mentor, um, I was speaking to him about a lot of this stuff. And he just gave me this workbook by some old Welsh preacher. and, And it was incredible. It was called the battle of the mind. And that's where God said, your issue is in your mind. So that was the first personal breakthrough in this area where God goes, you've got issues over here. The problem is the way you think, Romans 12. So that was God's root cause assessment at a high level. You're fighting all of this stuff. You're trying to manage your anxiety. You're trying to manage your addictions. You're trying to manage the guilt and the shame. You're trying to do all of this stuff, and it's wearing you out. So remember, 80-20, I was spending... 80% of my time on the 20%, it's like you you keep picking apples, hoping that they won't grow back, but they grow back. So that's what I was doing. And it was wearing me out. And, you know, just, yeah, I was, I was done. And so that's why Jesus said, after pulling me out of a panic attack, you got yourself into this. You know, the truth, you're not believing it. And so he said, the reason why you're experiencing All of this is because you're believing lies. So he took me from the behavior, which is a result, down to the belief level, which is the root. And he said, you can have a bad root. You can have a good root. Bad fruit, bad root. Good root, good fruit. So if you have bad fruit, this is a very simple, practical exercise for anyone. If you're experiencing bad fruit, undesirable behavior, undesirable results in your business, in your marriage, take responsibility. And this is what it looks like. Recognize that bad fruit is always by um, tied to a bad root, and that is unbelief. You're believing lies. Even if it's just that you're not fully aligned with God's purpose, 
where there's a lack of redemptive revelation, you perish or people cast off restraint. And so that's what God showed me. You're in porn because you believe a lie. And so I was like, okay, God, this is hard because I just want you to take this stuff away from me. And Jesus was going, I want you to grow and to change and transform your mind so that you can be changed and transformed. So let me show you the lies you're believing. And so that's where that foundation's principle. Principles are so cool because you they are transferable. You know, it's not this is a um, a method for addiction recovery. No, no, this is a principle that applies regardless of what you're talking about. Right. And so God went, yeah, so you're believing lies. These are the lies you're believing, and this is the truth. So you go from a bad root, you change that, and that's the work you do. You do 20%, sorry, 80% of the work on those 20% beliefs, and you focus on that. And so this is what it looked like for me. I wanted Jesus to take away all of the symptoms, the panic, um, the anxiety, the guilt, the shame I was experiencing. He said, I want you to start actively focusing on the truth. And that was hard, man. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't fun because I would walk, you know, into a similar situation. I would get triggered. Satan would accuse me, whatever. I would start feeling the panic rise up in my heart. I'd be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he'd be like, dude, breathe. Remember what I told you? Don't go back into unbelief. What's the truth? And I would start like shouting and yelling, like, don't tell me what to believe kind of thing. He's like, just focus on the truth. <sighs> because I, I was scared, you know, I just wanted yeah. what was coming at me to go away. And he's like, no, I need you to push through this physically. I need you to focus your mind. And I was, my mind was so unfocused. And God gave me some very basic truths. And here's, here's the absolute kicker. This is why I said the foundation's principle isn't just 80-20. It's more like 95-5. He didn't give me, we know from the Bible that we're supposed to defeat lies with the truth and we stand firm against the enemy by holding on to the truth. But what most Christians do, and that's this, it, it's heartbreaking. We are fighting all of these battles with 10,000 different Bible verses. We have a Bible verse for everything. But what you're doing is you're fighting the symptoms with Bible verses. Hmm. And so God showed me, for example, the reason why you're in anxiety, the reason why you're in guilt and shame, the reason why you're in pornography, all of this stuff, it's all tied to two or three core truths. So I don't want you to um, remember 10 different Bible verses I want you to understand and hold on to two or three core truths. And you do that at the foundational level. And actually, the way to get out of pornography is not to focus on that and not to constantly fight the lust with the truth. It's to go down deep. And for me, it was I didn't believe I was loved. And I believed that in order to be loved, I had to perform. So those were the two big lies that God identified for me. And he was like, Here's the opposing truth. And the way you get out of all of this stuff, 95.5, you don't focus on any of it. You focus on the, those two truths. And right. that is real faith. And that was really hard because I wanted to, you know, Jesus almost went like, yeah, I know you're going to screw up again. I know you're going to backslide. But when that happens, pick yourself up, get your mind back on the truth and keep going. Hmm. And so as a result, panic attack gone like and i'm for the sake of time condensing my story but right. panic gone anxiety gone guilt gone shame gone the last time i had a guilt or shame related panic attack was two and a half years ago wow like 18 months ago been you know porn and addiction free for five years amazing you know and so it, it works and the great thing is jesus said my burden is um, light and my yoke is easy. He doesn't want us to have to fight 24 seven with all of these Bible verses. He just goes, no, no, no. I want to show you the one or two things you do need to focus on. And when you do that, that's that foundation's principle in practice. 
Mm-hmm. Was there was there a specific like a single Bible verse that you held on to 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 when you tried to focus on truth to fight through that or yeah. like in in reality like how did that how did that go down for you in the moment? Yeah. Um. The one that was really personal to me is Jesus coming out of the Jordan after being baptized. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased and just having God apply that to me. Um, but, but the thing in terms of a discipline that helped me on a daily basis was actually John 15 about the vine. And, you know, Jesus talks about if we stay connected to him, then you're going to bear much fruit. And I kept coming back to that, or rather the Holy Spirit kept bringing me back to that for years. Because as someone, excuse me, as someone who is very performance oriented and performance driven because God's made me that way, I would get frustrated with not seeing the results immediately. So I would start focusing on the results again, instead of focusing on what actually drives the results. And God would constantly remind me, like, dude, you're not responsible for the fruit. You are responsible for staying connected. And the way you stay connected to me is by focusing on that truth. Hmm. And that's another. So, yeah. Go. It's it's so easy to focus on the end result. Like I, I was just talking recently about building habits. You do a habit a couple times and you don't see the result that you want. It's easy to give up because it's like. I don't, I don't see what I'm working for. And you just, you have to keep putting in the reps, keep going over and over and over and over. I think uh, James clear and atomic habits said that I'm paraphrasing here. um, Our results are the compound effect of the habits that we build. Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Like I'm I'm paraphrasing. I know I butchered, butchered how he said that, but (laughs) essentially as you put in the time, you do the reps, you create that habit and stick to it in spite of not seeing a change, yeah. you're, you become an overnight success, essentially. Like all of a sudden the change happens and yeah. it's there. Yeah. And, and I think that's something people do need to understand, right? The guy who completely transformed his team with this foundations principle, the revelation that God gave him, um, he went through, I think, a nine-month period of change and adjustment. So it doesn't happen overnight. Yes, it is 80-20. Yes, it is immensely powerful. But the So it's not going to happen overnight. But the cool thing is, when you, like you say, when you are just faithful to what you need to do, you don't focus on the results, you focus on the changes you need to make. Two things happen. First of all, sooner or later, like you said, suddenly there will be a breakthrough. There will be results. And the key thing is that those results will be sustainable. So I'll, I'll give you one of my current struggles, which is quite interesting. Um, God's been speaking to me for about nine months, 10 months um, about giving up coffee. And that's oh, like no. the last of my vices, right? <laughs> But the coffee has to go in my life, okay? And when he first showed me, I was like, okay, yes, I'm ready to do this. It's the gym analogy, right? New Year's resolution, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm motivated. I'm excited. I went for three and a half months, no coffee, felt great, okay? And then mind, my body was loving it. And often our body is way ahead of us in yeah. terms of our <laughs> development and our mind is. And suddenly my mind kicked out. I was like, oh, man. I'd love to just go and sit in a cafe, you know, reward myself, good flat white, good cappuccino kind of thing. Yeah. And I went right back into drinking coffee again. (laughs) And then you start this hard work, right? And I made exactly the same mistake that most people do. I focused on the results. I focused on the fruit. I was like, every time I had the urge and the desire to drink coffee, I was like, no, mustn't drink coffee. No, mustn't drink coffee didn't work. It doesn't work. Here's where it becomes really powerful, though, because just recently, God was reminding me of the foundations principle. Why do you want to drink coffee? What's really going on there? Coffee is just a symptom. 
what are you really looking for? Oh, okay. When I drink coffee, it doesn't just give me a boost in energy, but actually it does something to me hormonally. It triggers something in my reward center. So there's a dopamine hit, but it also, in my case, it, it gives me like a short flood of serotonin and serotonin is that I feel good about life in the future, right? Yeah. So what am I looking for? I'm looking for a bit of hope. I'm looking to feel good. So I'm looking for something that's good. That's a good desire, but I'm looking for it in the wrong place. And yeah. so the way to fix coffee is not by selling the coffee machine and by, you know, fighting really hard against the urge. The way to fix it is to go down to the root, to the foundation and that is, okay, I'm looking for love right now. I'm looking for a serotonin boost. I'm looking for a dopamine boost. Now I can go to God and say, okay, God, how do you want to meet that in me? <laughs> you know, so it, th- yeah. this might sound a little bit like weird to some people because it's like, no, it's discipline. You just, it's willpower. Make the choice and stick to it. Like, yeah, that might work for some things in certain cases for a certain amount of time. I'm not yeah. saying it never works. But that is you and your own effort and strength. It has and, to be a deeper why. Yeah. And and the cool thing is, I've seen God lift some massive mountains in my life by just focusing on the truth that he loves me. And if we had more time, I could tell you, but it's it's stuff that hadn't, you know, Jesus was like, just focus on the fact that I love you. I was like, but it's got nothing to do with what I'm going through right now. Why are you telling me to focus on the fact that you love me? I was like, because that's your deepest desire and that's your greatest need. And everything that you're doing right now that you're looking for is flowing out of that unmet need. I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, but okay. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I know we're we're running short on time here and I don't want to keep you up or too far into the early morning there, but how, if I can ask you one more question, do you have time for one more question? Okay. Absolutely. How, how does somebody go about finding that foundational truth for them to hold on to and apply the foundation principle in their everyday life? Yeah. So I'm glad that you mentioned habits because there isn't a certain amount of work we do need to do. First of all, um, let's talk posture really quickly. You need to be decisive um, and you need to make space and time in your daily routine, in your schedule to do the work that you do need to do. Okay, so that would mean, first of all, applying this foundations principle. You need to set aside some time to get clear on what the symptoms in your life are and what the root causes are. The way I would always suggest is just ask God. Now, some people say, I don't know how to hear from God. God's got a way of getting through to you. And it might just be that he sends someone to you. You have an epiphany. So if you're struggling at work, for instance, if you've got similar issues to the ones I described earlier, I would suggest block out some time in your calendar to just spend time with God and with this understanding and say, okay, Father, I understand there are results and there are causes. There's fruit and there's a root. So I understand this. Please apply this to my situation. Help me recognize which is which. Then when I understand what the root is, always understand there's always a belief attached. There's always revelation missing. So then you can go, okay, God, what's the limiting belief? What might even be the wrong belief, the unbelief in this area? And what revelation do I need? So it's almost like there's there's a workshop part to this where you do your initial workup. You know, it's like you wanting to get fit. You would go and get a personal workup done by a personal trainer who would create a workout plan for you. Mm-hmm. And then forming habits is about consistency. It's not necessarily about the amount of work you do. It's about doing it every single day. right? And so that's the thing for me. One of my personal disciplines still to this day is I get up early and for the first hour, hour and a half of my day, I, and this is my personal discipline, so I wouldn't put this on anyone else, but it's what God has given me. I try to focus on nothing else than the fact that God loves me. 
Hmm. If I don't do that, day usually doesn't go too well, you know, but if I do wow. do that, so, and, and, you know, that's just maintenance work right now, but that's how I would suggest going about it. Does, does that answer the question? It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. It's people always want the easy answer. And but, <laughs> I mean, the truth is there, there is no easy answer. No. Everything is a deep work, real change deep work and deep work is super hard and not always fun. But. Well, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the, the reps part, you know, um, and there's a very clear link between physical training and working out and spiritual training. The way you get strong physically is through resistance training. Mm-hmm. So why would it work any differently in your spiritual life? Yeah. God makes you strong by putting you through resistance. And that means, you know, I used to ask him, why can't you just take this issue away from me? And I understand now because I would have been underdeveloped. Sure. Right. You know, so imagine this, like you're in the gym. God wants to build you up. God spiritually wants you to be jacked. He wants you to be (laughs) able to just bench that weight and throw the weight and pick up the weight. And he wants you strong and healthy and capable and functional, spiritually speaking. But it's like God walks you into his spiritual gym and he stands you in the center of the squat rack and he puts the weight on there. And you're like, hey, you've prayed all this stuff like, God, I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better leader. And he's like, right, let's go. You know, let's let's lift some (laughs) weights. And as soon as the resistance starts, you're like, oh, this is heavy. No, screw that. And you try to throw off the weight. That's what most of us do. But if you understand that God works just the way bodybuilding, physical training works through resistance training. That's the definition of strength is the ability to withstand resistance or to push against resistance. Then you can lean into it. And that's the best bit of advice I can give you. It's just like lean into that, (laughs) embrace the training. And like you said, don't focus on, I want to be able to, you know, squat, I don't know, 350 pounds. Focus on the reps that will get you there. Focus on those yeah. small bite-sized pieces and leave the results to themselves. They, they'll come if you do that yeah. basic stuff. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I was hoping for something fun and easy, but none of that here. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's fantastic, man. So what kind of people do you work with in your coaching? If, if somebody out there is, is hearing this and is interested in what you have to say and they're interested in, in reaching out and working with you, what kind of people do you work with yeah. or what are you looking for? Well, um, overall, what God has called me to in terms of specific stuff, um, I help people discover God's blueprint for their life. Mm. Um, that's what I love to do. Um, it's very intimate, personal, one-on-one work very bespoke um but it's discovering your purpose um and right now i mean right now i work with coaches who are very purpose-driven who are kingdom-minded who believe that they have a greater purpose and a greater assignment to being in coaching than just to help people get trans trans uh, transformational results Um, So I help these kingdom-minded coaches finally step into their God-given purpose with personal blueprints. So that's what I do right now. Um, That's who I work with. So it's about connecting people to the purpose and the people and the provision that God has stored up for them. Awesome. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Where where can somebody find you to follow what you're doing and to reach out with you if they want to connect? So I'm I'm on Facebook. That's why I spend a lot of my time just punching James Beerbrower. You'll find me there. Um, BlueprintsAcademy.com. Blueprints Academy is the name of my company. Um, that's where you'll find me as well. And those are probably the, the best two places to start. Um, so if anyone right. has any questions or wants to reach out, um, probably just, you know, hit me up on Facebook, shoot me a DM, and then we can get the ball rolling. Awesome. I'll have those links in the show notes. So 
people can find you there. I appreciate you joining me tonight on my time, early morning, your time. It's, I know, a sacrifice, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's It's been really cool, and, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to just share some stuff that God's put on my heart and hope that this is, you know, hope that this speaks to people and and adds value. Well, I don't see how it hasn't. I've got a page full of my own notes. Anybody who's listening had to at least have one note that that they can take away from it and, and make a change. So thanks again. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Hang out for just a second and we'll chat just a little bit. All right, guys, I appreciate y'all joining me tonight for another another live stream. Um, If you are catching the video, the audio will come out on Friday, which is five days from now. Just do the hard work. I know, you know, we talked a little bit about there is no quick and easy fix. You need to do the hard work to find that purpose, to find the foundational truth that God has given you, that God gives each and every one of us to build your life on, to transform your life so that you in turn can help other people transform theirs. We are called to serve. Jesus was a servant. We're called to be like Jesus. That means serving others with our gifts, our passions, our talents, everything God's given us. We're called to serve with that. So go serve and do good work.